This week, we're going to be talking about Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine and how they influenced, impacted, and entrenched so many back then during that era for many years, all the way up to present day. So without further ado, let's slide on into the orchard. Orchard Archivers, welcome to the Caramel Apples Podcast. I'm Kennedy Rizzo. And I'm Cooper Lee. And we're so glad you decided to join us this week. And we've got an exciting trek to take you all sweet retro buffs on. So today we're going to revisit the infamous, riveting 70s, 80s group, the Miami Sound Machine. Are you ready for the rhythm to get ya? <laughs> we sure are. So let's get started in one, two, three. The Miami Sound Machine is a band of Latin-influenced music that featured the lead vocals of Cuban-born, talented recording artist Gloria Bejado Estefan. The band was established in 1975 by her husband, Emilio Estefan Jr. As with most entities in its early stages, the band was originally known as the Miami Latin Boys, but soon morphed into what we know as the Miami Sound Machine. In 1977. Oh, yes. (laughs) This is yet another exciting topic we'll be covering this week. (laughs) You know, I have a lot of deep, fond memories of this band and their music and their metamorphosis. I've just always been a huge fan. (laughs) Huge fan. (laughs) (laughs) Although we were young in the mid 80s, I remember, and I'm going to date myself with this one, folks, but. Uh oh. I know, right? <laughs> I'm good at doing that. <laughs> but Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine was my very first cassette tape I purchased <laughs> Wow! with my allowance money, you know, to, to be able to jam to in my, in my Walkman when I was acting like I was hip and grown. <laughs> I was cool. I had music. <laughs> I totally remember that. Because I bought a cassette tape, too, of my own. Uh Uh-huh. And actually, I chose for my first tape another old school grade. And that was to start my personal collection. I chose Mike and the Mechanics. Ooh. (laughs) Hey, we'll have to do a segment on them as well. Hey, deal. That sounds like a deal. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I can almost guarantee that if any of our young listeners are tuned in, um, they're probably like, Huh? Cassette tapes? <laughs> what the heck are those? <laughs> I'm going to ask mom and dad about that one. Oh, no. 
But then again, 80s retro everything is trending hot right now. Totally, yeah. yeah. You know, so that may not even be such an open question. Yeah. Just about as weird and foreign, but cool, <laughs> as when we asked our parents about what on earth was an 8-track tape? <laughs> what is that thing? <laughs> it was clunky. <laughs> yeah, do we build houses with these? Are these bricks? <laughs> Henri mom had a couple of those for her fancy stereo system that was as big as a street block. It really was. Seriously, it was like a piece of furniture. It was. <laughs> but mom also really had a lot of vinyls too, mm-hmm. as her stereo system had a record player in it, as well as a solid state AM FM stereo all in one. Oh my goodness, that is some wild raw <laughs> memories. It took up a wall. <laughs> <laughs> really did. <laughs> Man, good times those were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so back to our chosen topic. You know, let's briefly share on how the group came together. Um, it was said that in 1975, Gloria and her cousin Mercy, which was short for Mercedes, um, they were guests at a Cuban wedding at Hotel DuPont, where the then-known Miami Latin boys were playing. And truly, people, if any of you have ever been to a lively Latin wedding, <laughs> it is of no secret how fun and full of flavor these can be. Yeah, just try to sit. Just try to sit the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Dare you. <laughs> yeah. Coop would burn up the floor on that some salsa merengue. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Gloria and her cousin performed two Cuban standard impromptu, and the group was so impressed by the girls' performance that right then and there, they asked them to join their band permanently. Ooh. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty good honors, huh? Yeah. So Gloria agreed to do so only for the weekends, though, due to her attending the University of Miami as a full-time student. Good girl. Yeah. And she didn't want to interrupt her studies. So that was probably a good thing to start out with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it was then that the Miami Sound Machine was established. We actually listened to early recordings of the Miami Sound Machine way before we were old enough to explore or purchase music on our own. <laughs> By default, we became familiar with whatever was playing out of the radio. You know, whatever mom had on her record player. So true. You know, she was the music lover. If you haven't already figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and other relatives like aunts and uncles and cousins. Yeah. We generally liked and started dancing to whatever was blaring out of the radio, like I stated. And we had a diverse mix of sounds we heard that introduced us to so many top sounds and artists we now know very well and have come to cherish. Oh, so true, Cooper. You know, some of the earlier works of the Miami Sound Machine were very distinctive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very nostalgic back then. And this was the very prominent and familiar sound down in South Florida and the neighboring islands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know it really possessed that miami sound as it's been so affectionately coined yeah so the type of sound you would hear laying on the beach soaking up the sun and hearing the waves lap the shore and boats buzzing around on the water (laughs) they're out there having a good time too (laughs) they always were (laughs) 
prominent sounds connected to Miami and all of Latin America was the melodic salsa and merengue that would summon you to get up and dance. Mm, now we're dating ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so while we're still in the late 70s, Miami was still just a hot tropical retreat or community that boasts a large island population for various countries such as Haiti, Puerto Rico, and Cuba. Mm-hmm. which is literally only 228 miles away from the mainland. Mm-hmm. Not too far, stone's <laughs> throw. <laughs> also, many would come down from the, the East Coast, like New Jersey and New York, to enjoy some of the Miami fun and sun. Yeah. Uh, I would say it was also still tranquil and quiet enough that back into the older retirement population, until about the mid 80s when things as most things do you know Miami morphed and changed yeah yeah you know and it's interesting that you mentioned that Cooper because Miami in its raw earlier stages um, can still be visibly observed in some older works of television shows and movies Uh uh-huh yeah but like during the 80s with the uptick of interest in Miami-based films and television shows like um, Scarface and Miami Vice You know, the city was gaining the reputation as an exciting, intoxicating Mecca. Mm. You know, it's a lot of focus going on South Beach, Coconut Grove, and Key Biscayne. Mm -hmm. Also, the Miami Dolphins was attracting attention then as Dan Marino was breaking records and contributing to the Miami mystique. Oh, you know they had to love that, bringing in money. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The green. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And all you need now, as one of the main ingredients of that, is to add a sultry, island-esque soundtrack to all of that, like the Miami Sound Machine. Yep. And now we're looking at a whole new beast. A whole new beast. (laughs) This group, from its early stages on into the 80s, when everything started vibing and popping, created that draw that could not be ignored. That's right. Everybody, they took notice, didn't they? They really did. So they embarked on a massive world tour in 1985 through 1986. And after that, some of the original members left. Then that made Emilio a producer of the group. And then they ceased performing live as they had previously. He was not going to be stopped. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is probably his big dream. Uh Now, I can't quite remember what year it was right off the top of my head. But although we were teenagers... Do you remember we caught them performing live in concert at our state fair? Oh, wow. You know what? That was deep in my memory. I had forgotten, but I totally do remember that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. When they came, it was a huge deal. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, it was a big deal because we aren't anywhere near Miami, but way up north (laughs) in the Midwest. Yeah, so the concert video was packed and sold out, and Mm. some older friends of ours, they were nice enough to allow us to tag along with them uh, to the fair that day, and we happened to to run into the Miami Sound Machine who headlined the talent at that concert that night. (laughs) Man, that was one of our first concert experiences ever. Oh, man, I'm glad you mentioned that. I totally remember that. (laughs) What an ultra cool experience. Oh, facts. 
And you know, you you mentioned it earlier, but we were starting to experience here and there the coming of age. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is one of the many personal memories that effortlessly contributed to that. Oh yes. Um, you know, one of the songs I recall that they played, I think words get in the way oh that's the one yes that that awesome miami sound filled the warm summer air that evening truly nostalgic oh my goodness yes it was (laughs) you know and that's a nice segue into some of their most catchy memorable songs and albums Mm -hmm. so although they started releasing notable albums since 1977 uh, a couple of the earlier albums in their impressive discography was their 1980s album Miami Sound Machine. Okay. And then in 1981 was Otra Vez. Okay. A couple songs from those I remember was Has Logrado Olvidar, Que Sera, and Baila Conmigo. Yep. When you hear these songs, they instantly put you in mind of the old school, more laid back Miami feel we had described earlier when we started out. <laughs> As Kennedy always says, facts. Facts. <laughs> like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. For sure it did. Then we move on and jump to an entry from 1984's Eyes of Innocence album with Dr. B. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 1985. Oh, real quick on the Dr. B. I think I remember the video. It was the cheesy, corny clothing. You know, it was very, very 80s. Yes. (laughs) It was awful. I've seen it. (laughs) It's like tacky. You guys can find it on YouTube. It's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Then we'll go on to 1985's Primitive Love, which contained Falling in Love, Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-Oh, Congo, Mucho Money, Bad Boys, and one of our fondest memories, Words Get in the Way. Oh, yes. (laughs) Here we're starting all the smiles and (laughs) feel-goods. And now one of the fondest album entries of this whole topic. And that is my first ever album purchased with my own little allowance money. (laughs) And that was 1987's Let It Loose. Good choice. Yeah, this album probably has the most recognizable songs that stand out in some special way during that era. Mm -hmm. We have hits like Bet You Say That, Rhythm Is Gonna Get Ya, One, Two, Three, and some heart-melting ballads like can't stay away from you, and anything for you. (laughs) You know, I can sing and hum these songs from sheer memory. (laughs) (laughs) Their familiarity are just like second nature for me. You know, and the fact that you mentioned those two ballads, that's saying something. Because neither Kennedy or myself are huge on ballads. Mm -mm. But these, 
they draw you in. They they yeah. are truly. It's like okay, if you sing a ballad, you want them to be like this. <laughs> very nice. They were they were very nicely done. Yeah, and now that we're in the year of 1987, there were a few songs that showed up in some pop culture at the time, um, and that would be the song "Bad Boys." Oh yeah. You know, it served as the opening credits for the lovable film, that comedy, uh, Three Men and a Baby. Oh, yeah. That was a cute show. It was. Uh, also, Mucho Money served in, in its place as a lesser known but most entertaining movie called Salsa. And that starred Robbie Rosa, a.k.a. Draco, from earlier years of Menudo fame. Did you say Menudo? <laughs> I did. And not the kind you eat. <laughs> yeah, this is the better kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, talk about a throwback. Nice job, Cooper. <laughs> Man, we so both enjoy those. And, and there are so many more examples too numerous to name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to point out that really that contagious electrifying sound that became the signature of Miami Sound Machine, mm-hmm. it was undeniable. And, and it's that sound that musically contributed to the other many additional elements that added to the magnetism and mystique that defined Miami. Mm-hmm. No more was it viewed solely as a retirement mecca. <laughs> <laughs> And, and this is definitely when Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine was at its height. And thanks to current methods available to revisit their many fond works, it's very refreshing to be able to enjoy these songs again with just a tap or a swipe on our yeah. phones. Oh, yes. Because let's face it, who has their cassettes anymore? <laughs> <laughs> who has a tape recorder anymore? Now somebody's out there blushing right now because they do have them. <laughs> <laughs> yes they're probably like yeah i have one in my museum right here <laughs> <laughs> we definitely aren't in the 80s anymore sadly <laughs> and, and that's a play on the wizard of Oz. we're not in kansas anymore <laughs> shucks <laughs> joaquin 2021 <laughs> again Thanks to our Orchard Archivers, we are. We're here. We're here. (laughs) (laughs) So for much of the 80s, especially from mid-80s on into the early 90s, um, Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine were on fire. Mm -hmm. You know, as hit after hit continued to climb and dominate the Billboard charts, the group went on a few world tours and were selling out concert venues all over the globe. In 1988, one of the remaining original members, Enrique Quique Garcia, he quit. Mm. Um, And that left Gloria with a whole new revamped band. So a new rhythm section was put in place with an expanded horn section, which at that point, the Miami Sound Machine brand was only used for concerts and live performances. Ah, so with this change, you could definitely hear and tell it in their later live performances. You could. You you really could. <laughs> um, and I mean, it, it's all good, but I actually preferred what you would hear on their albums, like you're on the cassettes and stuff. I, I actually yeah. prefer that better. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, you know, it's all good, I guess, you know, and they're still able to, you know, live their dream out and 
and, and realize their careers and all that. Yeah, because they were bound and determined. They were not going to be stopped. You know, it pretty yeah. much just ended up being Gloria and her husband. That was it. That were original, you know. So right. Like, they weren't going to be stopped. Yeah, and I like that determination. That's cool. Yeah. And also in 1988, with all of her dedication and continued success, when the renamed album Let It Loose switched to Anything For You, um, the album took top honors in Canada and Australia, catapulting Mrs. Stefan to superstardom. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there is one more hugely successful album we need to talk about within our designated decade time travel, and that's the 1989 cuts both ways another great album indeed it was (laughs) this album was actually mrs estef or yeah it's mrs estefan we we don't have to call her glory all the time (laughs) (laughs) mrs estefan debut solo album you had this one too i believe didn't you kennard i did (laughs) that was a dumb question wasn't it Yes, I sure did. (laughs) And it was yet another great sounding album. Yeah. It contained the sultry ballads, Cuts Both Ways, Here We Are, and Oye Mi Canto, both in English and Spanish. Yes. So at this particular point in our time together, we're near the end of our consideration of this multifaceted, multi-talented musical throwback. Oh, the end already? It comes so fast. (laughs) Uh, But we will briefly mention that as soon as we entered into another decade, that would be the beginning of the 90s, Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine were on yet another tour um, when tragedy sadly struck. Mm. Um, I believe it was actually the year of 1990 that that their tour bus was struck by a truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was rear-ended by a fully loaded 18-wheeler. That is completely tragic. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that very clearly. hmm Her prognosis wasn't looking good because she found out as a result of the accident that she had a substantial back injury that left her temporarily paralyzed. Oof. Yeah. That's a blow. Uh, it does. I mean, I mean... <laughs> You know, when we're reading about it, we research it. You know, we remember it from the from the headlines. But, I mean, to actually be sitting in front of your doctor or your team and them telling yeah. you something like that, that's pretty deep. Yeah. So, notable interviews from Mrs. Stefan had her quoting some very sketchy potential outcomes for her health and recovery from her doctors. Um, they were saying, one, she probably wouldn't be able to have any more children. Which, thankfully for her, wasn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, she already had one son, Nayib, who was actually on the tour bus that same day. Yeah. As her husband, Emilio, was also on there. Yeah. And, and since then, she now has an all-grown-up daughter named Emily, uh, whom she affectionately refers to as her miracle baby. Oh, oh that's a small spoiler alert. <laughs> a good one (laughs) Uh, yes (laughs) so and secondly her daughters or excuse me her doctors (laughs) um said that they were hoping that after much rehabilitation and physical therapy 
that she'll at least be able to walk gingerly and that they didn't think she'd ever be back on stage. Oh, man. You know what? Those certainly aren't the words anyone would want to hear. No. But, you know, especially to someone who's their their life and their very existence, their foundation, everything about them, their essence, their true passion is music and dance. That's yeah. their career. That's right. everything about them that mm-hmm. defines them. You know, that was her career of her dreams. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, we're quite certain most of her fans the world over already know um, how it all came out. Again, another spoiler alert, but, you know. <laughs> um, but that in less than a year after the crash, yeah. um, Gloria walked onto the stage of the American Music Awards. Hmm. She was quoted as saying, and I quote, it's like if I climbed Mount Everest and won the, you know, Pulitzer Prize or the everything fantastic that could happen to a human being in one moment, end quote. Mm. Wow. You know what? We probably have to do some digging, but if my memory serves me correctly, because we were big on watching the American Music Awards. That was big back then. Yeah. We didn't mess with the Grammys too much, but the American Music Awards had all the cool people we wanted to see. <laughs> um, but I think I remember a standing ovation. Yes. I think. But, you know, I'm sure we could, you know, someone can weigh in and let us know if that's facts or not. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think I do remember that. But that, yeah, if any of you guys remember that, that instance, you know, hey, remind us, let us know. We'd be interested in knowing about that. Absolutely. <laughs> now, the story of the Estefans, you know, they shared success along with the band Miami Sound Machine. This all was so successful that they made a Broadway musical, On Your Feet, which went on world tour. Oh, cool. And also, I believe this year, Gloria Stefan and her now all grown up daughter host and co-host together their version of Red Table Talk. Oh, that's pretty cool, too. Yeah. Man, talk about a, <laughs> talk about a miracle baby. All right. That now is her, her, one of her best friends. I'm sure they're working together. Yeah, that's that's a nice outcome. Yes, it is. <laughs> so now that we're about to wrap up our discussion after the, the visiting this fascinating topic, it's now time to ask you, what is your favorite songs and videos of the Miami Sound Machine? You know, what were some of your fondest memories and recollections connected to this most riveting and captivating band? Mm-hmm. Also, please let us know. We are eager to hear your responses and experiences. Absolutely. Singer, songwriter, and entrepreneur Gloria Stefan built an empire along with her husband Emilio and their band. Music became their catharsis both in the earlier years as it did too later on in life. Mm -hmm. One of the most sought after goals for Latinx artists in terms of high volume success is the crossover or crossing over into mainstream platforms. And did it ever pay off as we've discussed in detail the many highlights, triumphs, and hardships throughout her musical career. Mm-hmm. But it, it also was those very things that sparked a global phenomenon that Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine became, but also what it did and still means for their loyal fan base today. <laughs> Music literally changed Gloria and her band's life immensely, but it did so equally for ours as well. Sure did. Love what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, the answer is simple. To tune into future treks into the Orchard Archives, 
Meet us here next week, same time, same place at the sweet spot. And it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a review and positive feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and explore more iconic memories. Thank you. Thank you.